I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. March Madness is up on us. The Sooners, one of seven Big 12 teams involved in this year's NCAA basketball tournament. But man, they got a terrible draw. We're going to talk about that. Hey, spring also means not just spring football, but NFL Pro Day. We got some thoughts on both of those, as well as spring sports such as softball, where Oklahoma is number one in the nation, 22-0. Perfect mark for the Sooners. What's going on, everybody? This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld. Rich DeCray going to join us for the True or False segment. We're splicing it all together once again. One of these days soon, we'll be back together live to record this podcast so we can kind of have that flow of interaction. But we're doing the best we can to keep things rolling in the meantime, as uh, my job requires me to travel. So let's jump into this. And we got to talk. I mean, everything right now is March Madness. So we've got to talk Oklahoma basketball, where I think the Sooners completely got a worst-case scenario draw in the NCAA tournament. And this is a team that undoubtedly limped into the tournament. I mean, there's there's no other way to describe it. They limped in to Kansas City. They were riding that losing streak that included a bedlam sweep, the terrible loss to Kansas State, and then you lose to Texas. You you just hope you hope they get their feet back underneath them in the in the Big 12 tournament and they they beat Iowa State they go toe to toe Kansas but they just got such a slow start in that second game that they never never really could overcome the Kansas Jayhawks ultimately going you know out in the second round and that causes them to drop in such a way that they just again I'm, there's no other way to say it they just drew a terrible terrible draw in this tournament not necessarily being the eighth seed it's just being in the bracket with Gonzaga and I I I know there's different thoughts out there about Gonzaga whether they're truly this juggernaut that they seem to be this year you look at the conference that they play in compared to some of the other power five conferences so to speak Um, but this is a really good Gonzaga team are they the best team in the nation maybe maybe not are they really, really good, though? Absolutely. And this is why it's such a, a bad spot for Oklahoma. In the last six games, the Sooners are 1-5. So follow me here. They're 1-5 in the last six games. This You want to try to hit your stride going into March Madness. And one of, the where, one of the areas where you really start to try to find yourself and find that Cinderella-type stride you do that in your conference tournament, and they were they were bounced out in the second game. So one in five in the last six games, and that one win was over an Iowa State team that was winless in in conference play. 
And so now that puts Oklahoma in a situation where they go to Indianapolis. They're going to play Missouri. I think the Sooners are good enough to beat the Tigers. But how do you, I mean, how do you get that stride? How do you find your way when the very next team you're going to have to play is the best team in the tournament? The number one team in the country. I, I, I just, I hate it for these guys because I do believe, and I, I don't think you can argue otherwise. Are they in a funk? Yeah. Yeah, they're in a funk. They're, something happened somewhere. They lost their mojo. But don't forget, this is a team that beat number nine, West Virginia, number nine, Kansas. They beat Alabama. They, they have top 10 wins. They, they beat Texas in Austin. So this is a team that has potential and it really is a team that can kind of find its way and catch fire. They're just not going to do it in this tournament. Because if they beat Missouri, which again, I think they will, I don't think they can beat Gonzaga. I really don't. That's not a knock against Lon Kruger, not a knock against Austin Reeves. It's not a knock against this team at all. It's just, I think Gonzaga is that good. And I would rather play Gonzaga like in the Elite Eight, you know, preferably in the Final Four, than in, in the round of 32 because you haven't had the chance to find your stride there when you get to the round of 32. And now, I, instead of wondering how deep Oklahoma's going to go in this tournament, and let me preface this, I, I guess it's too late to preface anything, but let me just pause here and say, gosh, I really hope I'm wrong about this, okay? Because clearly, if they beat Gonzaga in the round of 32, then there's there's the sky's the limit for this team. I just think it's really ambitious to consider them as the as a team that could beat Gonzaga right now. And that's where my mindset is right now. My mindset has has moved. It has transitioned from can they beat Gonzaga? How deep can they go in this tournament? To now I'm thinking about Austin Reeves. Does he come back? Brady Manick, does he come back? These are the two guys that have led this team, and it's been it's been very much a roller coaster type season for Brady Manick. Conference play wasn't what we had hoped it was for him. Certainly it's not what he had hoped it was for himself. And there's injuries in there. There's COVID in there. Definitely hasn't been a typical type season for Brady Manick. Does he come back? Does he try it again? What about Austin Reeves? He has been the star. He's the consistent. This team goes as Austin Reeves takes them. Does he come back? Because those are the things that you start thinking about now with this basketball team in light of the the draw that they got. I'm 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 my mind has already transitioned that direction as opposed to how far how deep they're going to run in this NCAA tournament. And I might also add while we're talking about this that I don't like any of the positions that the Big 12 is in. I really don't. I, I'm, I'm looking at this tournament, and I'm seeing the matchups of the seven Big 12 schools, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, they can win that game, but then here's so-and-so waiting on them. And, and part of that is March Madness. Part of that is the NCAA tournament. But part of that is just me going, man, the Big 12 just kind of got some, some bad mojo here. So there's my thoughts on, on Oklahoma 
there's my thoughts on March Madness. And there's never been a moment in my life where I've wanted to be more wrong about Oklahoma basketball than I am right now. I'll be cheering for myself to be wrong. If they win on Saturday night, I promise you, I will be cheering myself to be wrong when they play Gonzaga. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's move on here and talk a little bit about NFL Pro Day. Creed Humphrey shows out. Is anybody surprised? Is anybody really surprised that Creed Humphrey was a monster at Oklahoma's Pro Day? Uh, I'm not. And and here, here's the conundrum I have. Creed Humphrey may have solidified himself as the first Oklahoma football player to come off the board. I think it was always kind of a two-horse race. Between Creed Humphrey and Ronnie Perkins. And just based off of what he did at Pro Day, you got to think maybe he has an edge right now. And the NFL is so tricky because it a lot of it comes to what that team needs. It's it's like college football recruiting, but on steroids. I mean, the, the, these teams, they're, they're not just investing a four-year scholarship. They're investing millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, look at – I mean – Look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, I'm a Dolphins fan, so I'll throw this out there. This is a guy that everyone thought was washed up two years ago, and now he just signs like a $10 million guaranteed contract for one season to play for the Washington football team. So, I mean, that's just what they're doing. That, that's that's the, the difference between what you're looking at your investment in the NFL and what you're looking at your investment in a college football program. That said, it all it comes to what teams need. And when when a team that needs an offensive lineman, particularly in the middle, are they going to take Creed Humphrey? Or is that team going to need help on the defensive side with the pass rush where you look at a Ronnie Perkins? And as much as I want both of these guys to go, I I really feel like it would be better for Oklahoma to see Ronnie Perkins come off the board prior to Creed Humphrey. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I, I don't see both of these guys being a first-round draft pick. And I, I know it could happen. I, I know it could easily happen. But I, I don't think it will. And now I'm thinking about my NCAA tournament prognostication, and now I'm talking about Oklahoma football players getting drafted to the NFL. And I realize I'm really kind of being a Debbie Downer here. But here's the truth of this situation. I think Oklahoma needs to have a defensive guy go in the first round. I really do. And so I I was hoping that the star coming out of this pro day would have been Ronnie Perkins and not Creed Humphrey. I think Creed Humphrey is going to be one of those guys that just kind of puts his hand down in the dirt and, and just quietly has a stellar NFL career. 
he, he's a guy that's going to everyone's going to want him. He's going to work his way in and he's just got the body type. He's got the mentality. He's got the technique to really last a long time in the NFL. He's going to be like a Kelly Gregg guy though. And what I mean by that is he's going to have a good career. He's going to make a good amount of money, but outside of the state of Oklahoma, a lot of people aren't going to be like, Oh yeah, Kelly Gregg, Baltimore Ravens, you know, uh, yeah. they're just, just not going to happen. But it doesn't mean he's not a good football player doesn't mean he didn't have a stellar career. I think that's who Creed Humphrey is going to be. But Oklahoma fans need Ronnie Perkins right now in this moment to be that guy that has all the buzz. And here's why. Look at look at graduate transfers. Let, let's start there, okay? Look at graduate transfers. Oklahoma just got one year more to, to transfer in from Tennessee. Man, he's not even a grad transfer yet, is he? You got R.J. Proctor coming in a few years ago from Virginia. You got the kid coming from Arizona this year. Offensive linemen, they want to come to Oklahoma. Look at look at the recruiting classes. You can't get them all, but you get some really good ones. And a lot of them are super interested in playing for this program. Offensive linemen are attracted to this football program because Bill Biedenboe has proven that he can put guys in the NFL. Bill Biedenboe has proven that he can develop guys. Bill Biedenboe has proven that I, I can put you on a track to get from here, senior in high school, here, junior college, here, graduate transfer into my program on the football field for this university, and you will see your name involved in NFL conversations. Then from what you do with it from there, that's up to you. But you you just look. Look at the NFL lineman that Bill Biedenboe has put out there. And you see that there's a good track record there, and you see that guys are wanting to come and play for the Oklahoma because of what Bill Biedenboe is doing with offensive linemen. So you see the same thing at quarterback. Baker Mayfield, he just wanted to come to Oklahoma. But look what he started. Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. And now you're seeing the development of Spencer Rattler, the arrival of Caleb Williams. Quarterbacks want to come to this university. They want to play for this football program. They want to be a part of Lincoln Riley's system. They want him to coach him. They want him to change them. They, they want to be here. And you can say that throughout multiple offensive positions. When you look at the, when you look at the success of a C.D. Lamb, wide receivers want to be here. Hollywood Brown, you, you, you're just Oklahoma on the offensive side of the ball is building this reputation of putting Joe Mixon's and C.D. Lamb's and, you know, Orlando Brown's and Kyler Murray's and Baker Mayfield's, now Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma has the potential, most likely is going to see three starting quarterbacks in the NFL next fall when the season kicks off. And so people want to come here. They want to be a part of this program because of what's happening at the next level. Now, what position on the defense are people wanting to come? You see what I'm saying? 
what what defensive position are people wanting to just uh, to to come here and be a part of? Yeah, you got some defensive transfers. You didn't get Big Cat Bryant though. Yeah, you signed some some high talented defensive guys, but it's not yet reached the potential that the offense has. Bill Bedenboe has offensive linemen coming and saying, hey, coach, I don't care what position you put me in. I want to be in your program. I'll I'll play left side. I'll play right side. I I can play the middle. Where's Christopher Murray going to play? Think about this. UCLA transfer, Christopher Murray. Where's he going to play? He can be a guard. He can be a tackle. He can be a center. He's a former freshman All-American. He left UCLA to come play for Bill Bedenboe, and he was like, coach, I don't care. Just put me on the field. Give me a chance. Where do you need me? I'll swap positions. See, Bill Bedenboe has has established that reputation where guys just want to play for him. Alex Grinch, Brian Odom, that crew, they don't have that yet. They don't have that reputation where Bill Bedenboe can get a guy to come from Virginia. He can get a guy to come from California. He can get a guy to come from Arizona and play wherever he wants them to play on the field. Oklahoma can't even get a guy of their own home state to switch positions on defense. So, I mean, yeah, that was a shot for Kendall Daniels. I get it. You get it. We all get it. But it's the point I'm making. And after having Kenneth Murray drafted in the first round in 2020, if if a guy like Ronnie Perkins can go in the first round in 2021, that's what you need to begin to really build that momentum. Oklahoma already has it on the offensive side of the ball. They need it on the defensive side of the ball. And the NFL is the key. It, it, that, that's where the key happens. Is what when these guys leave this program, where do they go next? Do they become graduate assistants or do they become NFL millionaires? Offensive side of the ball, they're producing a lot of NFL millionaires. And you want the conversation to gravitate and to center more around Ronnie Perkins than anybody else right now. Because that's going to help when the next Kendall Daniels comes around and they're saying, hey, we understand you're a star in high school at safety, but we can make you a star at linebacker and put you in the NFL. Look at what we did with Kenneth Murray. That's the sounding board that they want to have. And that's why I think the pro day was more important for Ronnie Perkins. All right, we got true or false coming up next. Richard's going to carry the way for us. I know you're excited to hear from him, right? Who isn't? Um, But I got to give you a heads up on this, okay? So here's what happened. Uh, I know you guys, I I read it in the comments. I saw it in the reviews. Not that I take anything on our podcast reviews personally. By the way, if you would like to rate us, we we prefer five-star ratings. But um, I travel a lot. That's my job. And so... um, I know you don't like hearing that, but here's the situation. Rich sent me the questions, and I was in a part of the world where I didn't have a great Wi-Fi connection to download those questions and pop them into a podcast. I am now. I, I'm here now. But some of these questions may be a little bit dated to last week, 
but I don't think it's going to lose its relevance. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Matt, it is time for the true or false segment, a segment that has become one of your favorites here on the podcast, especially when you're sitting in the hot seat. So I want to go ahead and jump right into it. And as we begin to to center in on these true or false questions, I want to look at men's basketball first. As we begin to prepare, as we begin to look ahead towards the NCAA tournament, one of the questions, Matt, that you and I had proposed was, did this men's basketball team peak a little bit too early? We know about the four-game skid that ended the season, but we know that that four-game skid was snapped in the Big 12 tournament with a win over a program that was winless in the Big 12. That would be Iowa's State and the Cyclones. Still, it wasn't the most pretty when Oklahoma struggled there late, allowing Iowa State to come back in. And at the time of recording this, this true or false segment, Oklahoma is currently taking on number two, the Kansas Jayhawks in that Big 12 tournament and Kansas hoping for that upset. Needless to say, true or false, Matt, this men's basketball team did peak too early and they will see an exit in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Wow, man, I'm going to come around here and say this is true and false. Can I can I do that? Um, because I do agree. You you I'm sold. You brought this idea up about this team peaking too early after the Kansas State loss, and I was kind of like, no, wait a minute, let's just see. Maybe they lost focus because if you remember right, going into that Kansas State game, we're talking Final Four. There's the, go look, go to the Googles, okay. You got people asking Davian Harmon. You got people asking Austin Reeves, can this team make a deep run in, in the NCAA tournament? How far can they go? This team was high on itself. We were high on this team. The media was high on this team. And then they just kind of flopped at Kansas State. So you said, Rich, at that time, maybe they peaked too early. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to jump on board with this. Let's see what happens with the Bedlam series. Let's see what happens with Texas. Now, now when we, well, I've already talked about it, they, they've won one of their last five games. I'm definitely ready to say this team hit its stride and they peaked way too early. Way too early. But are they going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament? I don't think I'm ready to go there just yet, Rich. I think they match up well with Missouri. I think it's, a lot of it's going to be about their mindset. I've, I talked about playing Gonzaga in the next round, and sometimes when you know that's coming next, it can kind of cost you in that first game because you're thinking about Gonzaga. You start game planning for Gonzaga. You start mentally getting ready to play the best team in the country, 
and you don't focus on the team that's right in front of you. All that said, I think they beat Missouri. That Maybe that's the fan in me, okay? Maybe that's just the, the hope in me. I don't think they beat Gonzaga. I've already said how I feel about that. I've already shared my feelings there. But I don't think they're one and done. I, I really don't. I, I, I think this team has great potential. Any night they can catch lightning in a bottle. And, and so I, I do. I, I think they go out and they play Missouri tough. I think they win that game. But then it just becomes a whole different story when they play Gonzaga. Switching sports on you and jumping over into football, there's a couple of things that are on the horizon. The first of those will be the start of spring practice, and the second of those will be – no, 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 I got that backwards. The first of those will be Oklahoma's Pro Day, which I believe starts here on March 12th, so Friday, followed by the start of spring practices on the 22nd of this month. So looking at this this Pro Day, we know that there's no official – there's no – no true NFL combine here in 2021 ahead of the draft. However, there are a number of Oklahoma Sooners who have opted to enter the NFL draft early. One such name is Adrian Ely. Another is Trey Norwood. We can look at Ramondre Stevenson, Creed Humphrey. Like I said, there's a handful. However, when we look at the list of six participants who are opting into the NFL, who are opting into this OU Senior Day, True or false, Adrian Ely has the most to prove. Yeah, I actually think that might be true. When you look at the participants from Oklahoma's Pro Day, you know, we talked about Creed Humphrey. We, we talked about Ronnie Perkins. They're, they're dueling it out to be the, the first Oklahoma football player taken off the board. But I think when you look at Adrian Ely, it, it just verifies what I was saying about Bill Biedenboe and people wanting to come and play football at this program. Um, but Adrian Ely, he surprised me. I think he surprised you, Rich, and I think he surprised a lot of other people with his announcement that he is, in fact, going to come out early. And I think you, you, you look at Trey Norwood riding the wave of momentum from the Cotton Bowl win over Florida. And you got Trey Brown right in the way of, of, of momentum over the Big 12 championship game and, and that win over Iowa State. And really, Adrian Ely's doing the same thing. We, we look how this offense changed with Ramondre Stevenson. And a lot of times we get caught up watching Ramondre Stevenson. You don't, you don't really pay attention to the guys who are clearing the way for him. And Adrian Ely showed up on a lot of film that Ramondre Stevenson was on. And so he's riding that wave of momentum with everybody else. And it's it's a gamble for him. It absolutely is a gamble. And he's got a lot, a lot to prove that he's ready to come out and play on this elite level. He's got the body size for it. He's a guy that we've bragged about really saying that, that he has the potential next year to work uh, 2022 to work himself into a first round type guy, you know, where Creed Humphrey right now is a tweener first, second round guy. Adrian Ely could have easily been in that same situation, but now he's kind of a tweener fourth, fifth round guy, but that doesn't mean he can't make money. But now the better he does like at this pro day, the better he does. And, and when he goes out and he interviews and he, he makes these visits to these franchises that are interested in him, the better he does in those situations, the more money he makes. 
but you got to you got to get those guys interested. And the pro days where that happens. So yeah, absolutely. I, I you think you think Creed Humphrey locked to get drafted in the first three rounds, right? And you think Ronnie Perkins locked to be drafted in the first three rounds? Probably truth with those two guys the first two rounds. And then you think of Ramondre Stevenson locked to get drafted in the first four rounds. But is Adrian Ely a lock to get drafted in the first four rounds? Is Trey Norwood a lock to get drafted in the first four rounds? Trey Brown? I mean, those three guys, they, they took a big risk here, particularly when you look at the fact when, when Adrian Ely's situation, Trey Norwood has a pick six in the Cotton Bowl, okay? Trey Brown has a game-saving interception in the Big 12 championship. They've got the, quote, highlight plays. Adrian Ely, you know, a lot of people don't watch that, but NFL execs do. So when those, on those plays, when, when where Ramondre Stevenson's just dancing all over the Florida defense, there's NFL guys that are paying attention to Adrian Ely and not Ramondre Stevenson. And then he has to back that up, and he's going to have to continue to do so in private uh, interviews. But, yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely true. Fast forward to March 22nd. We have the start of spring practice, Matt, and I know the eyes are going to be all over the field. In order to settle some debates as to who starts where, especially in, in spots that were vacated by former starters, However, there's one that I'm eyeing specifically, and it will be headlined by names like Reggie Grimes, Jalen Redman, and Marcus Stripling. It's at defensive end. So true or false, the defensive end will be the most important, uh, most important battle to watch here during spring practice. Oh, man, see, that, that's a good one. That's, um, that's one of those questions that really is going to spark conversation. Um, I think it's false, Rich. I'm just going to throw this out here. I think the answer to this question is false. And it's something that you and I have talked about on, on previous podcasts. You know, we, we know that Marvin Mims is the top receiver, right? I mean, this is, I always go back to this. We know that Marvin Mims is the top receiver. Who's number two? It could be Jaden Hazelwood. It could be Trajan Bridges. It, it, I mean, there's there's so many guys that it, it could be. It could be Austin Stogner. We know it's not Charleston Rambo, right? Because he's out in South Florida. And and you look at the running back situation, and you know you've got a good one in Eric Gray. You know you've got a good one in Kennedy Brooks coming back. I mean, and then you flip over to the to the safety position. I mean, there's who's going to replace Trey Norwood? Who's going to replace Trey Brown? There's just, we know, here's what we know. We know there's a lot of depth, a lot of depth on that defensive line. You mentioned a few of them right there. Jalen Redmond, Reggie Grimes. I mean, and, and I think the fact that Big Cat Bryant ended up at Central Florida instead of at Oklahoma, I think it makes this battle at defensive end a, a little more interesting. Okay, a lot more interesting. But at the end of the day, I think we know the truth is, I think we know Isaiah Thomas is going to is going to play that position that we thought that Big Cat Bryant was going to come in. Isaiah Thomas was always going to rotate with Big Cat Bryant. If, if he rotated with Ronnie Perkins, he was going to rotate with Big Cat Bryant. We know that. 
And we know Reggie Grimes is going to be in the mix. All right. We know Jalen Redmond's going to be in the mix. We know that Nick Benito is going to just wreak havoc from that rush linebacker spot. Well, these, these are things that we do know. And I think because we do know them, to me, it makes that position battle, not that it isn't interesting, it just makes it a little less important for me. Now, you could be different, and I'd love to hear from you if, if you are different, okay? I would love to hear from you on that. But the truth is, I think they're just a little less important. But that that wide receiver position, that's pretty dang important, okay? Because Marvin Mins has to have somebody else. He's got to have somebody else. That that position, is it Drake Stoops? I mean, seriously, there's so many options that it could be for that number two and that number three receiver. There's a lot of options there. Where's Seth McGowan going to fit in with this backfield? Is he just going to be third wheel after having the fantastic season that he had as a true freshman? Go back to that Cotton Bowl game until he pulls up with that hamstring. Kid was dominating the Florida SEC defense. I mean, who's going to play Nickelback? Who's going to replace Buki if Buki truly does go in the transfer portal? I just feel like there's there's a lot. There's, you know what we need to do, Rich? Here, here's what I'm going to say. We need to make our list and rank the position battles in the Big 12. Not in the Big 12, sorry. The position battles for the University of Oklahoma. Spring position battles, ranking them from, from you know, from the best to the worst. I mean, quarterback position battles not going to be fun. You know it's Spencer Rattler. And there's always those guys, oh, what if Caleb Williams comes in? He's not, guys. He's not. Caleb Williams is going to have a lot of talent and a lot of potential, but he's not going to unseat Spencer Rattler. Come on. But... What about number two? Caleb Williams, is he going to be number two like Spencer Rattler was? Oh, Tanner Mordecai was number two. No, he wasn't. He really wasn't. I promise you, he wasn't. If Jalen Hurts got a, a, had a, suffered a substantial injury, it would have been Spencer Rattler, not Tanner Mordecai. And what are you going to do? I mean, who's left on that quarterback roster? So that's going to be interesting from the number two spot down. But as a starter, not interesting. But, man, there's some other interesting, really interesting battles that we need to talk about probably in our next podcast and maybe get something written up for Heartland Sports. All right, I want to have you make some more predictions in this true or false portion of the podcast. What we do know as Oklahoma heads into the fall is that Kennedy Brooks will be rejoining the team. We know that Kennedy Brooks has eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark, mark in the previous, previous two seasons where he's been the ball carrier. He sat out in 2020, and what we know, Matt, was not a single ball carrier eclipsed that 1,000-yard mark. But granted, it was a shortened season. The last time Oklahoma failed to produce a 1,000-yard rusher was in 2014. They've had a, a string of success and a string of, of dominant offensive lines to rely upon. But when we look at what's coming, what's happening along the offensive line with all of the transfers, there are still some questions there. So true or false, with the return of Kennedy Brooks, OU will once again have a 1,000-yard rusher in 2021. 
I feel like this is maybe a loaded question or possibly even a misleading question because of the anomaly that was 2020 Oklahoma football and really the 2020 college football in general. Here's what I mean. If Oklahoma doesn't have non-conference games canceled, do they have a 1,000-yard rusher? I'm thinking they do because that means Ramondre Stevenson gets back even more quickly than what he did. If the West Virginia game isn't canceled, does Oklahoma have a 1,000-yard rusher? I think there's a chance. Let's not forget the the big night Samaj P. Ryan had against West Virginia, and let's not walk away pretending that Oklahoma running backs haven't had big nights in Morgantown. If Ramondre Stevenson isn't suspended, does Oklahoma have a 1,000-yard rusher? Absolutely they do. So I think this is definitely a true answer. And I, I've said this before, Rich, and I'm, I'm going to say it again. I think there's a chance they could DeMarco Murray, Chris Brown, this bad boy, and have two 1,000-yard rushers. I really do. Let's not forget you had a 1,000-yard rusher in Jalen Hurts and in Kennedy Brooks. So it's not like guys don't do it. Spencer Rattler isn't going to run to the tune that Jalen Hurts did. He's not going to run to the tune that Kyler Murray did. So that means there's more there's more leeway for the running backs. So I think it's very, very plausible that both Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray eclipse 1,000 yards in 2021. I, I mean, I, I just do. And, and I think I think you can look back at this last season and there's, you can find the 1,000 yards. I mean, I, I don't have the stats here in front of me, but I think Ramondre was up to 700 and something yards. So it's easy to say, by the way, hit me up on Twitter because I could be way off on that, but whatever. Uh, Sports Heartland on Twitter, by the way. Um I think it's easy to say, yo, Oklahoma didn't have a 1,000-yard back in, in 2020. Okay, Oklahoma was two games, three games short in 2020 than what they normally play. And Oklahoma didn't have their feature guy in 2020. I said all of that, and I didn't include Kennedy Brooks. If Kennedy Brooks doesn't opt out, Oklahoma has a 1,000-yard rusher in 2020. So I don't. I, I think the answer here is definitely yes. There's nothing I saw in 2020 that makes me think, well, they can't do it in 2021 because they didn't do it in 2020. I 100% agree uh, uh, that I, well, I agree with myself, I guess what I'm saying. I 100% believe, that's what I intended to say, 100% believe that Oklahoma will have at least one 1,000-yard back and really has the potential for two this coming fall. Last, but certainly not least, I'm going to keep this one fairly simple for you. I'm not saying that Oklahoma is going to win a championship this year, but I do think that they have the talent. I do think that they have the coaches, especially to compete at the highest level of college football. When we look at what Oklahoma is returning, we know that they are returning a starting quarterback in Spencer Rattler, while some of these other major players are not, such as Ohio State, as well as Clemson. If there were any year where Oklahoma was going to compete for the title, I do believe it's this year. So I wanted to get your take on that as well. True or false, this is the year the Oklahoma Sooners make the college football playoff championship game. Whoa, dude. So you're bringing out the big guns and making me make this prediction on March 16th. Um, And you even sent this before March 16th. So, uh, wow. Um, (laughs) 
I want to say true. And I think everybody listening to this podcast and all across Sooner Nation, they want this to be true. And and here's here's where I'm going to have to stick to my guns. And, and kudos to you, Rich, for really putting me in a position where I have to stick to my guns. But I have said through the transfer portal that this Oklahoma roster is better now than the roster that beat Florida in the Cotton Bowl. I've said that, and I have to, I have to stick to it. I have to, I have to go with it. So because of that, you look at this roster that beat Florida in the Cotton Bowl, and there was a lot of talk about this being a team that deserved to be in the playoff. So if if that roster deserved to be in the playoff, and they're better now at running back, they're better now on the defensive line, they're better now in the secondary. They're better now in the offensive line, thanks to the transfer portal and Kennedy Brooks coming back. The answer has to be yes. I, I can't say, like in previous podcasts, that Oklahoma's better than when they beat Florida and then say, nope, they can't be in the in the, in the the national championship game. I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Oklahoma. I think they're going to be ranked fairly high in the preseason and I really think this is the best team that that Lincoln Riley's had since Baker Mayfield's last season. And they could even be better than that. So, yes, I have to go absolutely wholeheartedly. I have to go true here to stick just to my guns on it. And as a fan, I absolutely want it to be true. So I'm going to throw some some fandom emotion in on this and make it true as well. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for True or False. Rich, thanks for taking the time to get those to me. Thank you for listening. Let us know where you agree or disagree on the True or False questions. You can hit us up on Twitter. How good is Oklahoma softball? We got to answer that, and we'll close out the podcast. Okay, let me begin this final segment by just by saying I get it. Not everyone's into softball. Not everyone's into baseball. Football pays the bills, okay? And I get that, and I understand that. But let me just say this. If you're not a a fan of softball, if you've never watched this team, you need to just tune in and see them because this Oklahoma softball team very, very easily could be the best softball team that Patty Gasso has had at Oklahoma. And that's that's a big statement, guys. That's a big leap, but it's it's very true. And I'm not the only one saying that. Patty Gasso has even kind of hinted to that herself. This team is loaded. They're they're amazing. And and you I mean, a, a lot of Oklahoma fans wait till May. They wait till May to jump in there when Oklahoma goes to Oklahoma City and plays in the women's college world series. Don't don't short yourself. On this, all right, guys. This team, number one in the country, they didn't start number one, but they've they've climbed to the top. Number one, they're 22 and 0 on the season, and just in the last five games, the last let me tell you their last five games: 14 and 0 win over UTA, nine and one against Houston, six to two against the University of Kansas City. And then they did the the doubleheader Sunday. They got pushed by Liberty on the first game, five to four, bounced back and demolished Liberty 16 to nothing. On the season, 22 and 0, 
they've they've outscored their opponents 22 and 0. They've outscored them 267 runs to 25. Now just see, let that sink in. Do some basic math. They in 22 games they have scored 267 runs. In 22 games, they've only given up 25 runs. In fact, 16 of their 22 runs are by run roll, and 13 of the 22 wins, I think I think I said runs, so let me start that over. 16 of the 22 wins are by run roll. 13 of the 22 wins are by shutout. This team gives it to you from both sides of the plate. You like offense, the nation leading 77 home runs on the season. So if you like offense, it's there. You like defense, they are nasty in the field. That these girls can get in the dirt and throw you out at first base like nobody's business. And the pitching is one of the one of the strongest batteries of pitchers in the nation. 13 shutouts and 22 wins. And then they got star power. Jocelyn Allo right now, 19 home runs on the season, 72 in her career. She's currently in the midst of a 36-game hitting streak. She's chasing records at OU, records like the great Lauren Chamberlain and stuff like that. Jump in here and start paying attention to this softball program. They're doing something really cool. They've made it through what's called tournament season where they go and play in all these festivals and showcases and tournaments. The most recent ones right here in Oklahoma City at the Hall of Fame tournament. Now, right before conference play, they're stepping out of collegiate competition and they're playing this coming weekend in Norman. Tickets are on sale. It's a limited capacity, but you can you can find tickets for this. They're going to play Team Mexico in a three-game set. And I'm pretty sure Sidney Romero is a you know, obviously a famous face for Oklahoma softball. I'm pretty sure she's playing for Team Mexico. So this, this is an amazingly fun opportunity, not just for Oklahoma softball, but for the team, for the fans of the team to get into Norman and watch them play. That, those games will also be televised. If you can't make it, Fox Sports Oklahoma is carrying the first two uh, of the games. So Friday and Saturday, those those games will be televised. And then Sunday, go to the ballpark. Hopefully it'll be good weather in Oklahoma City. And then after that, they start they start conference play with Iowa State coming up and then Kansas the second weekend. Um, so there's opportunity here for you to, to really see greatness as this team – gets ready to knuckle down to start conference play. This, again, it's a big, bad, bold statement, but could be the best team that Patty Gasso's ever fielded for Oklahoma softball. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us at the Sooner Nation podcast. We're thankful for you for listening. We're thankful for the, the messages you send us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter if you want to join the conversation. You can also find us online, sports heartland-sports.com, and you can leave your thoughts and comments on our podcast post there or any of the other things that we're writing about. We got Oklahoma City Thunder coverage. We got Oklahoma Sooners coverage. We're there almost every day posting something, and we'd love to hear back from you. Have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooners.